Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and Gesundheit, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us for the fifth in our series of digital asset management deep dive webinars. Today, we'll be discussing the thorny subject of use case scenarios and vendor analysis. My name is Mark Davey. I am the founder of IQ Equity and one of the co-founders of the Codified Dam Consultant. I'd like to introduce you to my colleague, Frederick. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all to all the attendees for this version of the webinar. So I'm the CEO of Activo Consulting, providing consultancy here uh, for brands, retailers, agency alongside the dam projects and spend something like nearly 20 years on the customer side, sometime a vendor, and now also at the end of Activos or uh, Stage the Ocean. Hi everybody, uh, my name's Sean Proctor. I've worked in uh, digital asset management, product information management, and multi-channel publishing for many years now. Um, with IQ Equity, I'm involved with DAM strategy and implementation, and back-end development on sandbox bills and proof of concepts. Thank you. Over to you, James. Hello, everybody. My name's James Rourke. I'm a data scientist and DAM specialist. I've been working in consultancy for IQ Equity for seven years. I helped Mark to create the Codify Consultant and uh, I'm also involved in research and software evaluation. <clears throat> so as Mark's mentioned, we're going to talk today about use case scenarios and we're going to start with a bit of a history lesson in order to understand some of the issues around use case scenarios. We need to consider where DAM arose from. So put very simply, DAM is born out of the need for storage of digital files. And so in many cases, it's, that's all that it's used for. There are specialist use cases such as video management and print management, which have long existed um, and each has very unique requirements. <clears throat> you tend to also find a lot of departmental dams that are limited to a particular use case or a small number of, of use cases or teams. And in the last 10 years, we've seen a, an expansion of the Marcom stack. <clears throat> so DAM now sits alongside a whole host of other platforms with exciting acronyms such as MRM, CMS, CRM, ECM, ERP. I'm sure you're all aware of several of them. Many still see DAM as a technical and unintuitive silo, no different from a shared drive or just as an intranet with pretty pictures on it. Others see it no differently from an archive or where content goes to die. I know I'm painting a, a picture of doom and gloom. I'm sure most of the attendees would think differently. The point I'm trying to make is that there is an ingrained mindset around DAM, which I think largely stems from DAM often being siloed in nature. <clears throat> and what this leads to is um, a difference in thinking between that, the departmental and enterprise. So at a departmental level, there are limited use case served, 
storage is the overriding purpose um, of the dam in a lot of people's eyes. There's a lack of workflow and collaboration being driven by the dam. And the workflow that does happen is, is within the department and usually fairly basic <clears throat> or limited to a particular use case. Governance impacts running of the dam less <clears throat> and there tends to be less forward planning or what I term bigger picture thinking. So what do I need to know now to benefit myself, my company and be ready for things yet to happen? In the enterprise scenario, <clears throat> there are multiple diverse interconnected use cases. You're considering the entire asset life cycle. So from ideation through creation, curation, analysis and archive. I know we've mentioned this before. <clears throat> Workflows, automations and integrations will be more likely. And as there's a greater consideration of the life cycle, there will be um, a large a need for tools which facilitate these different stages. Alongside this and obviously related to it, you'll have a greater consideration of the importance and flow of metadata, knowledge through the organization, what data needs to be shared, what one business is doing well that other business units can learn from, how can insights from the customer feed back into content ideation. <clears throat> and as we've advised during this series of webinars, you're likely to have an infrastructure, a dam team, and the company's governance policies are reflected in the way the dam is run and managed. And the companies that are doing really well at this um, have dam at the centre of all of their decision making processes when it comes to content. And they're looking five years down the line. An attitude that we um, regularly come across as consultants is that it works for me, so why should I change it? And what we often see is that one business unit has driven the process of dam acquisition, and this has impacted the strategy and the way that the dam is set up and so on. <clears throat> so now a few years down the line, and other departments are interested in using the dam, but it's set up for one particular department. The flow of data is restricted to a handful of use cases. And it doesn't work for the whole business. So essentially, <clears throat> the business has to start again, has to start the whole six steps again. And chances are there isn't much of an appetite for such an endeavor. So often there'll be a quick fix, a band-aid or sticking plaster. And then three years down the line, you're in exactly the same position again. A question you need to ask yourself is, Yes, it works for you, but can it work better? Or can it work better for the rest of the business? And the message that's run through this webinar series is that you should put in the time and effort to get this right once, first time. Be proactive rather than reacting to the same issues every few years. Just to bring us back to the six steps and our process as consultants, I'd, uh, I'd just like to mention bake-offs. So a bake-off is an activity that occurs once you've gone from a vendor long list to a short list. You write some use case scenarios and you have vendors demonstrate their approaches to the scenarios in front of a panel of stakeholders. It allows you to consider damn usage from different perspectives. 
also lays bare the relative strengths and weaknesses of vendors. So more so than an RFP, it allows you to examine the intricacies of carrying out particular functionality at the end user level. <clears throat> it should also prevent a single department from driving the acquisition. The panel of stakeholders can evaluate each vendor and have their input drive the decision. And managing expectations is important here. You're only likely to get maybe 75% of what you want um, for, for the whole enterprise. And things like this allow you to align and consider the whole business a lot better. So now Mark's gonna just remind us of uh, some earlier videos that we had. Yeah, thank you, James. I like lemon jizzle cake, but if everybody likes chocolate cake, then, you know, I need to yield sometimes. But one of the ways we approach it, as we've shown you in webinar three, is looking at the requirements gathering from every user perspective. Um, as James mentioned, use case scenarios are a very good way of doing the bake-off, and but we're talking apples for apples. The way we approach it is we put a metric score behind each of the criteria. So a must-have scores higher than a not needed and unsure. And what we do is we map this data against the enterprise against the requirements, we aggregate the requirements, and then we map that against the vendor capabilities. Next slide, James, thank you. So, and so I think uh, just to make a sort of quick recap, because uh, alongside these demo scenarios are we saw during the last webinars two main things, business requirements and governance. And at the end of the day, these use case scenarios, and we made the decision to select three of them, which are very representative for uh, most of the people. Uh, they are just a clear representation of their uh, complete workflow. So, and so important today, uh, regarding so their, the how to select the right solution, the return on investment tour, to follow them and the first one is and of course one of my favorite especially for as a photographer and uh, this one is a is a challenging one because as we know we have more and more rich contents uh, i see as for example with my team of photographer during festival of Cannes, we have to produce a lot of images and then just in very short time and so uh, what Adam has to, um, to be able to do regarding the photographer, you have two kinds of them. So you have a photographer that just need an access to a, a dam system, drag and drop, and um, which looks like simple, but it's not so as it is because, and this is something also I can see in my everyday life where with customers, I see still people using uh, WeTransfer, Dropbox, Box Drive, whatever. Um, and so, and the reason why is that just because it's not enough simple. So just drag and drop, uh, put some quick uh, metadata, and then you just have a workflow uh, of publications for the librarians, the manager, to manage the, the pictures. So, and, and the other side, you have also uh, a use case, which, um, with, which I'm fa familiar because I'm used also to work with some retailers and photo studio. And these guys, they have to manage 30,000 raw files, a lot of images. And just to give you an information, more and more today, we have also some 
some uh, some new formats because uh, I see that more, more and more my photographers are using SRAW files, which are nearly close to the way for the JPEG, but it's better because you can then after uh, during the retouching change, change a lot of things. Uh, but in the meantime, they are not so supported, so supported by some DAM solution, or just like I got the experience just weeks weeks ago with the new format, the native format of the iPhone. Uh, how many people are able to support the HAIC uh, format? It's uh, it's a little bit strange because most of them are using more or less the same engine, Image Magic, things like that. So, and so the photographer um, is really at the creation of the asset. So it's very important to uh, for Dan vendor to challenge this service uh, step. Yeah, great point, Fred. It's it's um it's a deceptively complex use case, and I think it's a good example of one that, that is often overlooked at a decision making level. So, like you say, people are sidestepping the dam and using um, unregulated systems such as WeTransfer. So, yeah, that was a really good point, Fred. And we're going to go to our next expert, Mr. Sean Proctor. Okay, thanks, James. Thanks, Fred. Uh, another use case scenario, uh, product and or catalogue manager. Um, now, this role shares um, many of the same uh, requirements as an, an average sort of creative person role, but uh, it has a lot of additional needs in the in terms of functionality revolving around product management and catalogue production. Uh, first of all, they're highly likely to need creative tool integrations uh, within design, maybe Adobe Illustrator, for example. Um, and these integrations could provide a dam search for, directly from within the application, maybe drag and drop functionality directly from the dam uh, into the uh, production pages, uh, as well as the ability to create versions, derivatives and relationships between products and assets. Collaborative workflow is also important here. So a workflow or work in progress tool would be very useful. We may be a workflow dashboard where creative tasks could be monitored time limits assigned and uh, with the appropriate notifications for various uh, users. Um, also having the ability to add annotations uh, greatly simplifies the proofing cycle for clients, creatives, production teams and anyone else involved in the review and approval process. Um, all files with them being centrally located on the dam um, and the use of annotations eliminates the inconvenience of having to send documents backwards and forwards for review. And it also consolidates all the review notes in one location for all approved users to view, uh, as well as obviously leaving an audit trail of um, those you know, annotations and notes. In the more refined operations, um, there may be the use of page templates, maybe even web to print functionality, 
um, where products and product data, related images um, can be um, sort of pulled directly again into InDesign to streamline the whole catalogue production process. This, of course, relies on a strong integration between the DAM and a separate product information management or PIM system. Uh, so the product data from the PIM could be directly linked with product images, logos, and any related, related product documentation that's stored in the DAM. Um, and there are also other considerations in terms of regulatory requirements, managing legal claims, and legal documentation uh, to keep companies on the straight and narrow from uh, a legal standpoint. Um, I think, Fred, you'd like to add something to yeah. that? Yeah, because in fact, something I can see here, I would say since the last three years, uh, more, more or less every damn project I'm working on is also a PIM project and also with connections with prints and creative operations and et cetera. And it's definitely, I think you made uh, the, the perfect descriptions of the challenges. It's also a challenge when you are, want to write an RFP at the top because um, I don't know one system able to do everything. So the reason why it's again, as we said in previous webinars, API is very important because then you have to very to pay attention because you cannot do, I, I see for the PIM integration as for example, I'm working with a large brand uh, this year. Um, it's uh, we are asking for from a PIM to be able to from the dam uh, sorry to to push information instead of the PIM requesting information. So it's a very complex mechanism where really you have to pay attention and 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 together the experts uh, around the table. Yeah, thank you, Fred. Yeah, very good points uh, there. Thank you. So moving back to James, I think. Sean and Fred. So I'm going to talk a little bit about external brand engagement, um, which requires a maybe a larger set of tools and a brand manager within an organization as there's more of an onus on sharing the brand externally, rights management and monitoring the success of campaigns. So with greater public facing content, you're looking at things like digital watermarking, tracking and other features of digital rights management um, alongside the more conventional rights management features you might find in, in any dam, such as time limits, watermarking and denoting usage rights. Um, also, you're likely to find a greater proponents of um, analytical tools in order to build visual representations of the data. And what we see a lot now is um, the ability to build branded portals and create branded content more easily with something like a web to print or template builder. And there's a similar importance with uh, packaging, oh, sorry, product management uh, about ensuring brand consistency. So versioning is, is paramount to this and the ability to um, have versions aligned across all integrated software, embeds, social media platform to maintain the brand message. 
Oh, is it me again, James? Yes. Oh, here we go. Well, that's a nice segue. So what we've done here is once you've inputted the data, and in this case, it is a brand manager, and the brand manager has, say, different uh, needs from an end user or the photographer, or indeed the complexity of a packaging workflow. So what we've done here is we've allowed the brand manager with certain levels of skills and knowledge to be able to say what their ideal quality is or what they're looking from on a must have, nice to have, not needed, unsure. And as I mentioned before, we put a score behind this particular part so that we can aggregate it against the vendor capability. And we want as many of these as possible. Obviously in a uh, in an enterprise, you're gonna have numerous brand managers, marketing managers, analysts, you want your business intelligence tools to be able to aggregate this information for usage across the enterprise. And I'll get deeper into this a bit later. Thanks, James. So I'm sure we could go on all day about different use cases, but um, the purposes Fred highlighted was to show a fairly typical workflow within um, a company and compare the needs of these three use cases alongside each other. So the photographer is mainly uploading, needs a more limited access to the dam and adds a limited amount of metadata in comparison to the other two roles. The product manager is mainly creating and adapting assets, is more diverse in their access requirements, is adding descriptive metadata, but also regulatory and product data. And then the brand engagement manager is more engaged in downloading or utilizing approved content that it gets from the um, product manager <coughs> with um, metadata being gathered about engagement or the brand message. So both the latter two roles have complex collaborative needs but the format of these is slightly different. So the product manager is focused on a more regulatory requirements and brand engagement on public facing rights management. So you can see how if product made all the decisions on an acquisition, they're unlikely to fulfill all of the needs of brand engagement or vice versa. And similarly, as we've already mentioned, the photographer is not considered is maybe not considered at all maybe the product man, product team wouldn't see the point of a dam at all because their pim or their legal review system was managing all the information and content that was relevant to them and sending assets to the dam is additional work for them they're, they're, they're not considering the entire asset life cycle because to them the end of the asset life cycle is that they put the work that they've done into the dam and wipe their hands of it. And as consultants, we see this a lot. People don't see the dam as the arbiter of the asset life cycle. They just see it as an end point. And um, do you guys have anything to add here? I think it's, uh, you, you have some very good statement at that stage and uh, one other thing we have to advise to our um, to customers is really to spend the time uh, building these scenarios. Or, but we'll see later on, and we have, that we have a couple of them um, to to play with your files 
uh, as we said with photographers, uh, don't play with just small JPEGs and try really to start from the creation, Lightroom, the BCC application, etc. And as you said, it's not the dam is not an endpoint. And regarding everything that we saw, whatever for a product or a brand, it's a lot of complexity in fight. And so we're playing with InDesign 5, we're playing with large PDF, multiple PDF pages, or, or even I can talk about some packaging company. Do you know how much time can really be able to play with a uh, PDF from, uh, from a product, from labor, uh, with uh, spot colors, opacity, and et cetera? Not so sure you can find a lot of them. So it's, uh, it's very important really to spend this time because every, all the time you can spend during these um, this, uh, requirements around and building your scenarios is time you can really save at the end. And I see too many times uh, people after one year of finally uh, the product is not something we were searching for. That's not an issue, okay? We just start a new RFP and after, at the end of the day, you, know, you have some companies, they have three, four, five, six them, which is not the right one. Yeah, and it's it's not a trivial exercise. It it it's really yeah, sure. important for you to 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 get this right and to look at it from different angles. Because, like you say, so often you see six or seven different systems that are all overlapping. When you could have one or two. <laughs> and moving on from this we we basically created some stock use case scenarios based on our industry knowledge um, the list there's a list here an ever-growing list <laughs> um, we then mapped these to requirements fed in vendor data and provided the ability to compare vendors alongside each other so what this allows clients is a framework for use case scenarios both to build build their own use case scenarios but also it allows you to compare vendors alongside each other on specific use case scenarios and then the end goal as mark said is to aggregate this data and then you can understand and align the needs of different users from across the business and for sure something maybe we can also say is in the regarding the numbers uh, because I, a couple of people are always asking me why we have so many uh, demo scenarios. And I think it's very important, uh, as you can see, as for example, photography editor or brand manager with some admin capabilities. Uh, think also about the way to, or just for the librarians, how to, uh, because most of the time today you have a front end, you have a back end, but you should be also able to control your damn system with all the year. Admin things, creating met, uh, metadata things uh, to be able to customize here the workspace and etc. So, um, the reason why we have so many of them, it's also because due due to the fact that we have even more rich media uh, after years. It's not all about the images today. It's all about very complex video files, 3D files, etc. So it's step by step. It's very important to uh, to follow one of them. Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. No, uh, you're right. Um, I mean, this is a starting point. There's, there's always going to be nuances to any role within an organization. But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, James, with nuance. So as we saw before, we've uh, looked at the brand manager, 
but obviously there are other scenarios within each enterprise. We cover about 24, 25, but ultimately our system allows any user with a level of skill to at least recommend to the company what would be useful for them in their workflows and their, and their daily lives at whatever level. So our system allows anyone to input a use case scenario, call it a, an astronaut, tomorrow uh, a web astronaut maybe we'll invent that as a use case scenario they can add to the mix and what we do here is we aggregate all the use case scenarios and then we map it once again to the vendor capabilities of the 38 vendors we've accredited with the 10 core characteristics and what you see here is a psychopath going through all the different use case scenarios they've collected behind the firewall and then looking at, okay, which vendors actually hit all the touch points or score high in the touch points that we need. Can you go to the next slide, please, Jim? So once you've been able to twiddle along and add your input and score it against the vendors themselves, you want to see the actual vendor output. And hopefully if this video ever renders, you will be able to see that not only have we taken the data for the inputs, we've then put a score, a percentage score, against all the use cases, against all the vendors. And in our scenario, we've come down to three vendors that are fit for purpose. And fit for purpose could mean that they are 100% of the uh, user interface score, or they might be an 85%, but as you go down the use cases, they have better capability or culpability. And we put a score behind the must have. We give a score of five. We give a score of three for a nice to have. And then we aggregate that against the 120 use cases and then the 38 vendors that we work with or that are accredited. We also give a description of the use case scenarios based off our stock scenarios. And then ultimately it enables our customers to say, okay, this at the end of the day is the two or three vendors that are closest to our enterprise needs. If you could go to the next slide, please, Joe. And then what that does is it aggregates your top three, four, five vendors. And we've already chosen three. So if you remove vendor five, James, by clicking on it and vendor four, you can start to see the differentials. And if one and two are your favorite, remove three, please, James. We can see that when you're looking at them in terms of percentage scores against the 10 core characteristics, both these vendors are closely matched. So if you're in production and publishing, vendor one might have an edge over vendor two. And in this case, vendor one is the preferred. So if we go to the next slide, please, James. Thank you, and remove a vendor four and five. We can look at the vendor intangibles, you know, so you know, have they got good customer support? Are they good value for money? Let's remove vendor two. Looks like it's the weakest in the score. So now we've gone from vendor one and two as our preferred on use case scenarios to maybe vendor one and three because they're very closely matched, but again, you know, are they innovating? Does that lead you to vendor one because the innovation stack of vendor three is, is low? Next slide, please, James. 
Then ultimately looking at the bigger picture, the workflows, the integrations, the APIs, let's remove vendor three and vendor four. And clearly you have all the percentage scores across all your use case scenarios, across all the vendor data, and then ultimately you can pick the right vendor or at least get them to the bake-off. We've got cake and we've got lemon drizzle cake and chocolate cake here which is the one that's actually going to give us the most bang for the buck. So I hope we've squared the whole. The requirements also build use case scenarios, which are also mapped to vendor capability, and that the codified consultant enables anyone across an organization to do the right process and choose the right vendor and have the right strategy and have the right governance and data models in place. Next slide, please, Ben. So chaps, I think we all agree that the six steps to Dan's success, gap analysis, resource audit, requirements, governance, use case scenarios, and vendor analysis as a package is something you should follow. I think we've helped you guide you through these webinars to this point. I still reiterate, no matter what you do, your governance and your data model is a critical point for getting your strategy right. Anyone want to add some more input before we close off? Last slide, please, James. So thank you for being a part of the five webinars. Our final webinar, our secret webinar, is the role in enterprise transformation where we as experts will give you the skinny after you've done the six steps. Thank you all for joining us today and thank you to my colleagues. Have a good day. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.